Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie back for our weekly podcast. Hope everyone's been good and doing what they should be doing. And if you're not, then do it carefully. But um, in general, I hope you're happy because we're doing the best we can here, too. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that's very sensitive to many people, whether they admit it or not, or whether they want other people to know. It's, it's a topic that oftentimes is felt to be shameful or felt to be maybe not something you want to share necessarily unless you you know, have a close friend or your husband or your spouse or somebody you're going to marry, because in general, it's, it's not comfortable. And it's about being brought up with a parent with a mental illness. And when I say mental illness, I don't necessarily mean somebody who's walking around who is out of touch with reality or doesn't know the date or the time or hallucinating. I'm talking about parents who are currently or in the active place of parenting but have a diagnosis of a mental health disorder and are either on medication as part of their treatment but are definitely in treatment that may impair their ability to fully function as a safe and effective parent. And believe it or not, it affects the parent. That doesn't feel good to not be able to be fully effective, but it also affects the child who is receiving or not receiving that level of parenting. So stay tuned, and we're going to be talking about parenting and how it feels as a child and what children can do when they're being reared and raised by a mentally ill parent. So give me a call, one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. Every caller gets a free copy of my book, Side by Side, the Mother Daughter Conflict Resolution Book. And who doesn't need that? So come on back, one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. We are talking about parenting and having a mental illness and the effects upon a child, and we got a guest expert joining us. Come on back. So welcome back. Today we're talking about Parenting with a mental illness, the effects on children, I'm sure there's an effect on the parents as well. And we're going to be talking to an expert who has written a book and is currently writing, I think, another book. And she'll tell us a little bit more about growing up with a mentally ill parent, I think specifically a mother in in the case of the book that she's written. But in general, the family dynamics and all of the issues and the impacts and the trickling out effects and the rippling out effects of what it's like to be in a family that has a mentally ill parent that's guiding it. And joining me today is Dr. Susan Nathiel. She is a psychotherapist in Connecticut and has been in practice for over 30 years, experienced in a lot of different kinds of therapy from individual to family, and has always been interested in the family dynamics of a mental illness and how it plays itself out in a family. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about that. But she has a book that she published in 2007, and it, I, it was called or is called Daughters of Madness, Growing Up and Older with a Mentally Ill Mother. And so she'll tell us a little bit about that book and her future projects, and I'm glad you're here with me. Are you there, Susan? Yes, I am. Thank you for joining me. Sure, thanks for inviting me. So tell us a little bit about you and and your book, and why are you so interested in mental illness and how it plays itself out in a family dynamic? Well, that's always the first question. and (laughs) Yes, it is. The the answer is um, my own mother had periods when she was mentally ill, and she was hospitalized a few times, and she had shock therapy and so forth, um, also periods where she was fine. But nobody in the family ever explained it to me or talked about it. Um, we just kind of worked around it silently. And so as a kid, I, I was pretty confused about what it meant or why it was happening. And when I grew up, I got to be a psychotherapist, and I thought, you know, I should really take a look at what other people have to say about this. 
Right. So I went, you know, the professional literature had very little, so I went to Barnes & Nobles and looked on the self-help shelf, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing about this. Right. I mean, there's all I, kinds of stuff about growing up with an alcoholic parent or this or that or the other, but nothing about growing up with a mentally ill parent. So after a few years of looking in vain, I thought, well, I guess I'm going to have to write the book myself. Exactly. So. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very important topic because I don't think anyone, like as you say, really plays, pays that attention to it because, you know, it's an uncomfortable thing, I think. Many times it's embarrassing. People don't want to admit it. So, you know, you had it, you know, from one end you were a participant in it, and now another you can, you know, educated yourself to be able to write about it. So I think that's wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, in, in looking back now mm -hmm. that you're this expert in this, what do you think about the way that it is handled and, in general, the way it was handled for you? Well, there's still a lot of stigma attached to any kind of mental illness, even though uh, I think it's lessening now. We have people talking about their depression or their bipolar illness sometimes, but it's still pretty stigmatized. And when I was growing up, um, it was much more so. It just kind of didn't exist or... You know, anyone that was mentally ill would be locked up in a state hospital acting like a lunatic, whatever that means. Right, right. That's, um, right, exactly. So, um, you know, what we now know is that it's very important to just tell kids what's going on in a matter-of-fact way. And do you tell them, you know, for, all, for my listeners, I mean, do we yeah. tell them the truth? Do you tell them the details? I mean, you know, where do you draw that line is an issue, I'm sure, many of our listeners are going to want to know, because, you know, is a mom walking around on Paxil functioning something she should tell her child versus a mom who's in and out of the hospital tell her child or a dad? Well, I think kids are very, very sensitive to what's going on. And um, I'm always kind of suspicious when I see parents who have something serious going on in their lives, and I say, well, how are the kids? How are the kids handling it? And they say, oh, the kids are fine. They're not asking any questions. They don't act like anything's happening. So right then I know that there are kids who have questions who aren't asking them. Why are they not asking them? Because they don't want to upset their parents or they're getting the message that they shouldn't be talking about it or they shouldn't be noticing it. Okay, and how do they get that message, do you think? I think when parents, you know, parents want to protect their kids from disruption, but I think parents often overlook the fact that kids know something is up. And I don't think there's anything wrong at all with saying, you know, being age appropriate in what you tell a kid to say, you know, mom's been having some problems and the doctor told her to take these pills and right. they might make her a little bit, you know, sleepy sometimes. But do you tell them why you're taking those pills? Well, if they ask. Okay. If they're old enough to ask, you might say, you know, do you know what depression is or let me explain it to you. Kind of, you know, I think the same as if a parent had heart disease or had MS. Right. You know, you do a simple, matter-of-fact explanation, not loaded up with all this Fluff, you know, yeah. Secrecy and shame, and this is a horrible thing. It's it it can be a pretty simple explanation. Okay, but I'm gonna like I'm gonna play the devil's advocate. Sure. I have patients who will say to me, but you know what? I've done that, and now that they're in that rebellious adolescent teenage place, it's used against me. Uh huh. It's you're crazy. Look, you're taking these pills. Why should I listen to you? So parents oftentimes feel they're revealing something about themselves that will be used as ammunition. At, even though it is a developmentally age-appropriate right. time to rebel, you're getting the grenade in the face of your own illness. Well, I was parents of adolescents get all kinds of grenades in their faces, right? You know, and kids do know, you know, they know the buttons to push, right? I think that's time for them, you know, a conversation like, "Look, this is not something to joke about. 
um, you know, this is a serious thing. It upsets me when you say this. Exactly. And a rebellious kid's going to say it anyway. The point is, if you don't say it, the kid is going to be wondering and thinking and blaming themselves and thinking, oh, if I'm acting up, this is what's making my mother sick or making my father act out or this made my mother go to the hospital. Because a lot of times in families where it's not talked about, adults will say, you know, don't upset your mother or don't upset your father, which really means they're in a kind of a fragile state and they can't take too much stress, so, you know, be careful. But what the kid hears is if your parent develops a problem, it's your fault. You upset them. And I would rather have the kids have the facts even if they throw it in your face. Understand it. Yeah, and rather than making it some kind of mysterious thing that the kid doesn't even know how to talk about. Right. And I mean, like I tell parents all the time that if, you know, your kid's going to use, like you said, a grenade no matter what it is, yeah. you have to still sit down and explain to your child this is a sensitive subject. It's very personal to me. I shared it with you, not for you to right. use it as a weapon. And the other piece of it is also with older children, especially in that teenage rebellion piece, you're giving them information so that they have better understanding about their own DNA if they're your child. Right. right. Exactly. And so I think, you know, that's the kind of way you empower it. And sometimes it takes a family meeting with the doctor who's treating mom or dad to be able to kind of navigate that, too. Yeah. I think also if a kid throws that grenade in the parent's face, it's time to talk about, you know, what does the kid feel about that? Exactly. Is it scary to them? Is it embarrassing? Are they afraid? Why are they mentioning that? Why are they throwing that up? It's so important you said that because I think that is a really key piece to understand. Like, what is driving... The, the fear of that child to have to use it in that manner. Yeah, yeah. So um, have you ever been, as when you were growing up with your, your mom, have you been in those positions where you didn't understand or you were angry or scared or fearful? Oh, yeah. I was in uh, a situation right before she was hospitalized one time, and my parents and I went on a kind of, quote, vacation, unquote, and my mother was acting very bizarre. And... Later, after the vacation, my father was, it was a working vacation for him. So I told him later, I said, you know, mom was doing this and that and acting this way and that way. Well, without explaining anything to me, he called the doctor. She went in to see the doctor and she was hospitalized. Hmm. Now, I went away thinking I, you know, ratted out my mother. Right. Nobody ever said, well, you know, if she'd had a heart condition and I said, gee, she looks really pale. I don't think she's well. They would have thanked me. Right, exactly. You know, but with this, it was just like, let's not talk about it. And my mother was pretty angry when she came home from the hospital. At you? Yeah. So silence created yeah. a lot of fear and then oh, yeah. didn't have the communication to resolve the issues that stayed there. Right, right. Now, did you see your mom while she was in the hospital? Yeah, she had shock treatment that time, and I went to see her, and she actually didn't recognize me, which is a little appalling. And, of course, nobody in the hospital, or my father, didn't say, look, this is a side effect of one of the treatments she's having, and it doesn't mean anything, and, you know, no one explained it to me. Right, and that'll go away and all that kind of stuff. You yeah. just figured, yeah. I told on my mom, she's now in a hospital, she doesn't know who I am. Yeah, and, and now she's mad. Right. Figure I mean, that, that out on your own. Well, <laughs> exactly. That's a devastating <laughs> bundle of, of fear and, and confusion for any child. Yeah, so, and then your your tendency is to either not think about it or go and become a psychotherapist like I did. Yeah, or <laughs> right, or never bring it up again so right. that you don't have to be in that position where your mom gets, you know, hammered into the hospital. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's fear-based stuff that, you know, open communication has to be there. And it has to be, I think it just has to be matter-of-fact. 
because kids are hungry for information. Absolutely. And if you give them information in a matter-of-fact, open way, just say, do you have any questions? You can ask me questions when you want to. Kids want to help. Yes, and they want to know, and they want to know age appropriately. And you can't also be that parent who's spilling too much to overcross that boundary because that's fearful too. That's the fine line between letting a kid help because a kid can help sometimes. Right, but they're not your parent or your friend. Right, without kind of parentifying the kid so that they're carrying the emotional baggage. Right, because that's a heavy-duty issue. Yeah, because, you know, one of the sweetest stories I ever heard from a depressed mom was she was kind of trying to hide it from the kid, but, you know, he knew something was up. He was only four or five, and she was lying on the couch because she was just too depressed to get up, and he came over and he said, you know, hi, Mom, or whatever, and she was just kind of laying there. And he went and he came back and he had his cowboy hat and he gave it to her hmm. because the cowboy hat was what made him feel happy. Right. And, so and that... she thanked him and she said, thank you for trying to make me feel better. You know, she acknowledged that he was trying to help. Now, that's not parentifying a kid. No, not at all. And that's, you know. that's sharing something that he felt would be a helping tool. Yeah, and it, made, it meant that he also knew that something was wrong with her. Right. She was unhappy. Right, and it gave him something to do to feel like he was helping yeah. in, in what helps him. Yeah. Very nice. Are you open to taking a voicemail from one of our callers? Sure. All right, hold on. Hey, Dr. Sophie, this is Rich, and I wanted to share a story about my mother. When I was growing up, she spent an incredible amount of time alone in her bedroom. She'd come out to make dinner, but after dinner and things were cleaned up, she'd go back to her room. I think she spent most of her day in her room when I was off at school, when my brother and I were off at school. And it seemed when she was out of her room, the only thing she really cared to do was knit, and she knit up a storm. But otherwise, she was never never around, either hiding or knitting. Um, she's now deceased. Um, but I asked this question because I have a young daughter now. She's only two years old. Um, but I'm curious if there's anything I can learn from my, my mother and, and what, in hindsight, was an illness and what I might look for in my daughter and um, perhaps in myself. So far in life, I'm in my early 40s. Um, I've had no issues like my mother's, but perhaps these things might come on later in life. So thank you for listening and thank you for your answer. Susan, what do you think? That's not an uncommon story for people with depressed parents. And, it, you know, it's too bad this guy didn't really have anyone to talked to when he was a kid right um as far as the uh, if he doesn't have mood issues or mood disorder he would be the most at risk and his daughter would be significantly less at risk right genetically so yeah just because it's a girl doesn't mean that she's going to have any any more risk at all now there is you know mood disorders do run in families right but by the second generation it's really a lot less it's not something that really skips generations so much. So I would say to him, you know, not, not really to worry about it, that it's very unlikely that anything would happen. And if, if something did happen when she was an adolescent or early 20s, you'd have that information to share if you needed to. But right. I wouldn't fret about it too much. Okay. And then what about some of his concern about the lack of interaction, parenting from him and his mom or his mom to him? Would that have an effect on who he is and how he parents? I think that was a, one of the other concerns that he yeah, was looking at. Yeah, it might, it, it might, because he didn't really have an interactive mom. So is there anything to do, you yeah. think, or would you suggest? I don't know. I mean, I think 
I don't know. What do you say? I think I think when um, it kind of depends on the circumstances. A lot of times, people like that will marry someone who's a very good parent. And I'd say if he feels a little bit at sea about how to parent his child, and his wife is a good parent, follow along, learn from her. It's not rocket science. It's being expressive. It's being available. It's spending time with your kid. It's not. It it's not super complicated, but. He has to realize he does not come from a. He doesn't come into this with a good blueprint. Right. And He's going to gonna have to make it up a little on his own. But there are plenty of people he can learn from. Okay. And so, not to be scared. Keep your yeah. eyes open. Yeah. And it gets less each generation. Yes. Yeah. And uh, get on with your life. And, and be if happy. He's, and if he's aware of it, and he's aware that it could have an impact, then he's already halfway there. Tell me more. Because some people say, "Oh, this happened. You know, my childhood has no effect whatsoever on me." And and then they turn around and do exactly the same thing. They're completely unaware. They don't want to face it. So when someone says, I'm concerned about this, I already know they're doing something about it. They have the awareness to not repeat that, you know, without being, without being conscious of what they're exactly. doing. Exactly. Good, okay. So you're not concerned that much about uh, his issues, but keep an awareness going and just keep parenting until something rears its head. Yeah, and I would say, if he, you know, if he has some, uh, he could always... Call me and be interviewed for my second book. Very <laughs> That's nice. The other option, <laughs> Op- but you know, good. he might he might want to talk it over with somebody himself. Just the impact on him and what what he's what he's concerned about. Good. Okay. Thank you. How about a live caller? You into that? Oh sure. Alex. Uh, hi. How, how's it going, Doc? Good. How are you? How can we help you? Um, well, situation is this: um, I've got a son, six years old. He's uh, just kind of getting to the point where he's beginning to make friends at school and all that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the kids that he's making friends with, uh, I believe the mother, and I don't know for sure, I believe that she's bipolar. At okay. least that is what I've heard from other parents. Right. Um, and I'm not completely comfortable. You know, they're talking about having play dates, going over there, spending time with that family, and I just don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned basically for the safety of my son. What are you concerned about? Uh, I haven't had much familiarity with anyone with... Um, that kind of condition. Right. I don't know if it's a situation where um, it's easily controlled, if people get um, easily get violent or yeah. anything like that. I, I, I don't know. And, and, you know, I read things online, and, and obviously that's probably not the best place to look because there's you, sometimes you hear horror stories and right. sometimes there are things that say, oh, you know, with medication it's good. So I, I don't know what to believe. Okay. Uh, doctor, what do you think? Okay. I would say it's, that you might want to get to know this family just yep. like you might want to get to know any family that your child is going to play with or have mm-hmm. play dates with. Um, if someone has a diagnosis of bipolar, it can range anywhere from being very well controlled on medication and not an issue at all, or it could be that the person could be moody. Mm. Right. Or at the, at the wild extreme, they could be volatile. But I think if this is someone that people know, if there was a lot of volatility, you'd already know that. Yeah, but if you know if you're concerned, I would say get to know the family or talk to other parents whose kids play with the, the kids, right. and see if there's any you know if there's any cause for concern or people have any discomfort. Yeah, I mean check it out. I see if yeah. the police have been over to that house or mom seems to be controlled. If she's at school or you know other social settings, you could see her in the playground, eyeball it to get a level of comfort, and mm-hmm. then that gets you at least through the door. 
Yeah, I think that I think that part of my concern in this, and, and maybe my reservations and not knowing what to do, is because yes, I haven't interacted with her very much, but also the the main parent that I'm hearing this from is one who's kind of known as um, overprotective. So I don't know if what she sees and what she's worried about with her child is what something I personally would be worried about because exactly. she's very controlling. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd take that into effect. I think the the worst fear that you're thinking is that. Someone with this kind of illness could, you know, be perfectly nice one minute and snap mm, in exactly. some way that would be dangerous. Yeah, right. That's not really what bipolar looks like. Yeah, they don't snap that much. If they're snapping that quickly, then they're probably in a hospital. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That or, would be highly, that would be almost unheard of. But yeah, I mean, Alex, get to know these people and see how you feel from your gut and your level of, right. of comfort. But otherwise, I think you should be fine. Okay, great. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you. So there you go, doctor. Okay. It's interesting. Everybody has pretty much a concern. They just, on some level, if it's not themselves as the child of a parent growing up or vice versa, now they have something and they're parenting. They're interacting with somebody either at school or on the playground or somewhere within your child's life, another parent who may have a mental illness and you're concerned. And I think your, your advice is right on. Get to know these people. Don't judge them. You know, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, or don't judge it by some kind of scary word that, you know. Right, that's a label. Bad TV is made out of. It's a label. <laughs> so tell us a little bit before you leave me about your book, your current book, and the one you're working on. Well, the the first book I wrote in 2007 was called Daughters of Madness, Growing Up and Older with a Mentally Ill Parent. And for that book, I interviewed about 25 women and um, about their experiences growing up and all the way to adulthood and raising it, you know, helping with an elderly parent who had been mentally ill. Um, and that book you can get on Amazon or you can go to my website, www.daughtersofmadness.com. Okay. Now, my publisher asked me to do the companion volume, Sons of Madness. Very nice. Yeah. So the, the, I don't have a website on that, but if you want any information... Just go to Sons of Madness, one word, at AOL.com. And you're looking for people to interview? Absolutely. All right. I'm about halfway through the interview process. And this would be men who have either a mother or a father who had mental illness. And it doesn't have to have been formally diagnosed and labeled. A lot of people, you know, have parents who are quite volatile and clearly out of control in some ways. And they never go to the doctor. They never get treatment. They never get medication. But if you look back, it's clear there was something major going on. What if their parents are drinking and it's kind of this co-occurring disorder thing? Can they still call in to check in to see if... They can call to check in. There's so much written about the effects of alcoholism on the family that I'm trying to... I'm trying to narrow it a little bit to the mental illness factor. Right, but there's so many of my patients that are self-medicated. Absolutely. And so, you know, their parents do have a mental illness. It's just that they're self-medicated. It's kind of masked, like masked depression, particularly in men. Right, exactly. So, or, you know, a bipolar disorder and they're substance abusing. So if you think that your parent has something, even whether it's diagnosed or not, give her a call, check in, she'll interview you, she'll see if you're a fit, but at the end of the day, you'll at least learn knowing something. Right, right. I'm interviewing people, you know, in person, obviously, out here in Connecticut, and on the phone, and I'm, um, you know, doing some email interviews. So wherever you are, if you'd like to be interviewed or talk to me, that would be that would be great. Absolutely, and we can find you at www.daughtersofmadness.com. 
or or at the other, the Sons of Madness at AOL.com. Got it. And that goes directly to a mailbox. Got it. Thank you very much for your time and expertise. Okay, thank keep, you. Keep writing these books. You're helping people. Okay, I will. Thank you. Have thank a great you. time. Okay, Bye. bye-bye. That was Dr. Susan Nathiel joining me. She's a psychotherapist from Connecticut. Tons of experience, 30 years or so. She's a individual family uh, therapist, but very interested in the family dynamic of mental illness in a parent and how that plays itself out. She had written a book on being the daughter herself of a mentally ill mom, and now she's writing one, not being the son, but what it is like for a son, and she's interviewing people. But she had some great advice uh, with our callers and our voicemails and anyone who is listening, some really great advice about how to kind of navigate through some of this from the parent perspective, from the child perspective, what to tell your children, and also if you are an adult child, kind of how to handle some of this stuff. So I think the basic foundation that we learned today was really you should blow through the shame, talk about it age appropriately, and whatever the fears are, whatever the concerns are, whatever the confusion is, as long as it's done age appropriately, it's there. And walking around in silence, ignoring it, is really not going to help anybody and then again, we've got to remember that a lot of these issues are genetics and we're going to inherit them. Our children are going to inherit them. And we have to be aware of the fact that also by bringing the discussion out, putting it on the table, not being fearful, not being shameful, really allows them to educate themselves as well. So when they see things maybe within themselves, they're able to understand them better, maybe get help earlier and maybe have a better outcome. So overall, it's a win-win to open the discussion age appropriately. Don't walk around with shame and fear and guilt. Everybody's got to deal with something. And I think the sooner we know what we're dealing with and are open, the better off it is. So Again, thank you to Dr. Susan Nathiel for her expertise in her book and her upcoming book. You can find her at www.daughtersofmadness.com. And you can find us at www.drsophie.com or 1-855-SOPHIE-NOW or 1-855-767-4966. My book, Side by Side, the uh, Mother-Daughter Conflict Resolution book, great book, easy to read. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Read it. Let me know if you have any questions. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. But the most important thing is don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, and-